fantastic. Yes, it's time to rise and build. As a student, I used to live at um, 35 Park Street, which is um, literally 40 meters in that direction. And um, it was a great place to live. I used to live with Dave Pennington, who many of you know does sound and um, here and works at the council and um, four other guys, and so there were six of us living together um, in two houses that had been knocked together. We were literally kind of just around the back of this church, and you could hear the worship music playing um, at rehearsals and on Sunday mornings, which was usually the sign that we were late, because we should have been here, but you could hear it from our house as um, the music started. Now, when we'd moved in together, we thought we need to get um, all of our stuff um, together, new stuff for the house, all the bits and pieces. So we went into town together, did all the usual bits from Wilco's, you know, those bits you do, the mop, the kind of um, brush, the bits that you might need, some cloths, so those type of things. And as we're walking past this electrical shop, I don't think they do this anymore, but there's a, this electrical shop that um, rented TVs and electrical items to people. And so you could rent um, a TV to have. And so we thought, this is a great idea. We're going to rent a TV together. Now, it's the six of us. Now, at that point, I think it was around £5.30 a week or something like that to rent this TV. And so we filled in the forms, and in one of those moments, I, um, we were kind of looking around, oh, somebody's name has to be on the contract, the main person. That person became me, just so you know, never do that um, in, a, in a joint thing, um, if you need to know that lesson. I learned that lesson perhaps the hard way. <coughs> But don't do that. And, um, but we got this TV and literally as we agreed this deal, the guys went, why don't you take that one? And so we just picked up this TV from the stand at the edge of the store and carried it through the high street home. Not boxed. And if you remember in those days, it's not a nice flat screen TV. This is one of those TVs that's as deep as it is wide. And so it takes, and, and heavy. So it took all four of us, like four or five of us taking it in turns to carry this thing through the high street. And you can imagine, can't you? You can picture the scene of people of Lincoln thinking, oh, what are the students doing? This is ridiculous. Now students are arriving in the city. And so we brought this home and we loved it because this was the TV that we got to um, kind of watch TV on but play PlayStation, the original PlayStation, N64 and other stuff. And um, all those things that students get to do and we just loved it. But um, as, we, as I think about our rental mindset as students, you know, we rented that TV, we had rent to pay for our properties, we had um, kind of academic years kind of rolling by. There was this sense always within us that we're renting stuff and we're not living with any sense of permanence. And we're not putting roots down. And I think about my life since then and how I've put roots down into this city, how me and Joy have developed a life here and a family that's put roots down, that's connected, that's brought deep connection for us as the city. And I believe that as the people of God, we're called to put roots down, to be established and connected to the places that we live. We're meant to build a life where we are. We're not meant to have a rental um, mindset that says, actually, we just borrow this for a little bit. Incidentally, the um, company that we got the TV from went bust. And um, I went one time to either return it or to ask them what to do, because now the rental period had come to an end and the shop wasn't there. And um, so either... We got away with that and got a TV, or there's a contract out there with my name on it at £5.30 a week since the year 2000, and someone wants some money. So, um, but we're not meant to have a, a rental mindset that just says, how do we rent something? We're meant to have an establishment mindset that says we're going to be rooted and established. I believe that God calls us not to look at the earth as something to rent or just have a, as a temporary thing, but actually something that we own, that we rule and that we reign in. And Joy's going to look at this a little bit later, but I believe the Genesis mandate over humanity is to bring leadership, is to bring authority, is to bring stewardship to the world around us. That isn't a rental mindset. This one that actually we 
Um, reflect the goodness of God. You know, we're made in the image of God to reflect his image into the world around us. His care, creativity, innovation, his ideas, his hope, his joy, his life into a world around us that needs all of those things. Now, the problem can often be for us is that are we going to step up and make a decision to choose today to take that true leadership and authority that I believe God has given us? Are we going to step up to that? That's the question over our lives. So we're going to step up and say, we're going to take responsibility in this time, in this day, for what God has given us. And if we act like we've just got a rental mindset, we're going to rent this TV as a group of people and not really take responsibility for it. Or are we actually going to step up and take leadership responsibility for the world around us? Our passage today is taken from Jeremiah, and you can see that on the screen. I'm going to read that now because I believe this gives us some words from um, from God himself of what it means to be established in a place. Jeremiah 29, reading from verse 4, it's on the screen. You can um, read this along with me. It says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and the prosperity or the welfare of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now we pick up the story here and um, we're kind of part way through in the, the history and the narrative of the Israelites. And the part of the story that we jump in in this passage is where the Israelites have turned away from God again. They've been in rebellion against God. They've actively decided we're not going to follow God, we're going to follow other gods. And so God has allowed them to be taken into exile in Babylon. Now Babylon was a massive nation and one of their um, techniques or ways of ruling the world was to take over other nations and then move those people groups to other parts of the world. In fact for the Israelites here they have to travel over 500 miles across desert to move to another place. And so what they do, what the Babylonians would do, they would get hold of a nation, they would then destroy or kill many people and then move the remnant or those that are left to a different part of Babylon in order that all culture, all ideas, all innovation, creativity that comes with that, whether that's music or history or other stuff, is eradicated so that they can then make everybody part of this machine of Babylon. That was their technique, that's what they wanted to do. And so here we find the Israelites in the nation of Babylon, 500 miles away from where they want to be and where they should be. In, in a world speaking a different language that they don't understand with food and culture, even music and ideas that as yet are totally new to them. They've got no idea what's taking place in those things. And so they're in this place and they're wondering what God is doing and what is taking place. They're in a false land and they're wondering what is going on. And so some of the prophets of the day that had traveled with them and been taken into exile begin to speak to the people and say, don't worry, God's going to sort this out. God's going to help us. We're going to be going back to Jerusalem. We're not going to be here very long. Don't bother to unpack. Don't settle in this place. We're going to be traveling home again. This isn't permanent because God wants us in our nation. 
And then we pick up the story here where Jeremiah, who knows better, is actually back in Jerusalem with the people there, with the remnant in Jerusalem, and he's writing to those in exile. And he's saying, actually, this is the word of the Lord. You've heard from some people that actually don't unpack, don't settle, you're coming back. But the word of the Lord is different to that. The word of the Lord is actually to build houses, to plant gardens, to get married, to settle down, to have children, to cause your children to take wives and to get married to multiply. Increase, do not decrease, and seek the prosperity of the city. It's all about building and planting and marrying and multiplying. That's what God is saying to the people in, um, in exile in that place, and seek the welfare of the city. This is the strategy given to them as the word of the Lord from Jeremiah. This is his strategy. In the welfare of the city you are in, if that city prospers and does well, you too will prosper and do well. You will be blessed as the city is blessed. And so in this place that they now found, find themselves, which is alien to them, they're now, uh, God is saying, call this home. Make it home and settle there. Be a blessing to it. Pray to the Lord for it. Ask God to come and do something in that place that only he can do that brings blessing and goodness and favor upon it because as it prospers, you too will prosper. And our first point today is individual responsibility because as we look at these words that then echo through history and through time to our day today, I believe that we can pick up that same strategy of Jeremiah's and say that for Lincoln, if Lincoln does well and prospers, and the welfare of Lincoln, we find our own welfare. That if Lincoln prospers, we too can prosper. And I believe that each of us have a part to play in that. We've got something to bring, something to contribute to this city and this place. Now, as we think about from a kingdom perspective, as a Christian, our understanding of the world and how God has placed us into the world, I want us to see a couple of things because we live in a physical reality of the world that God has created. But there is also a spiritual reality of the kingdom of God that is mapped over the physical world. In fact, you could say it's more real, more important than the physical world is the spiritual world that is mapped over it. It's not an either or game. We don't have to pick one over the other, but actually the both are represented in the goodness of God. But there's a greater kingdom in the kingdom of God. We don't reject one in order to gain the other, but actually we see how they both come together. And so we understand that in a physical sense, if Lincoln prospers and does well, we too will prosper and do well. That in the welfare of this city that we find ourselves, we will find our own welfare, just as the exiles did in Babylon. They put roots down, they worked, they prayed and asked God to come and bless it. And I believe that as you and I do the same, as we say, in this place, in this time, we're going to put our roots down, we're going to pray, we're going to ask God to bless this city. And for in the welfare of the city, we find our own welfare. Acts 17, 26 puts it very fascinatingly like this. It says that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling. God has put a gracious and a glorious and wonderful plan into place in you and me, in our lives. It's a glorious and it's a gracious plan that he has established in our lives. He has allotted times and seasons and boundaries for nations and he's put us in it. And I believe that he has called us and equipped us for such a time as this right now with purpose and with intention. And so we've got to raise up and stand up and say we're going to take hold of the plans and purposes of God for our time, for this city today. 
We've got to embrace our roles in, in exile of saying, actually, we're going to rise, we're going to build, we're going to take personal responsibility for what God has called us to do, to bring his kingdom on earth, to see his kingdom values established through each and every one of our lives. We've also got to understand that God has created us for good works. He's created us for good works. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are God's handiwork. You know, that can be translated, your work, he's a work, your work of art. A work of art. So to say we're handiwork is to say you're a work of art today. You're incredible. You're a work of God's art. And then it says, goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we're created with good works in mind, which in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared things for you to do in advance. He's got hold of your life and he's saying, you're my workmanship, you're my handiwork, you're a work of art today. And as you believe that, there are good things that you need to bring and contribute to the world around you. Each of us has a part to play. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 takes this on a little bit further because not only are we his handiwork, created for good works, he, um, Paul then writing in Corinthians chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that actually we are to take on the work of an ambassador of Christ. That the king is actually calling us to be his ambassadors to the world around us. We represent the king of kings and the lord of lords to the world. We represent him. We speak his words. We speak his mindset. We speak as if we're representing the king to the world, into your workplace, into your community. That's what we bring. Now, each of us, I believe, has an individual responsibility to do that. There is a call of God upon your life and a purpose and a plan that he has for you. This is summed up, and Joy's going to take this on a bit further in terms of Genesis 1. This is summed up there in God's original plan and intention where God says, actually, you're here to rule and to reign and to subdue the world, to bring leadership to it, to be rooted and established in a place, in a time and in a season. And I believe this is our time in Lincoln to say that we're going to rise up, we're going to build, we're going to take responsibility for the welfare of this city. And we're going to go for it passionately, taking responsibility for it. I believe that we can do that together. Let's welcome Joy. I love that picture of uh, students renting a TV. And uh, we're not like students renting a TV. Together, we have been given ownership and leadership rights with, with God in Lincoln. Uh, we are his image bearers, and like Genesis 1 people, God calls us and creates us in his image so that we can go and bring light uh, to the whole of our city. Jesus says we are the light of the world, and figuratively speaking, it's our job too, to build and to plant and to marry. This instruction is like Paul said about putting roots down, building community and family and creating the infrastructure for a community, communal life in this city. It's also an instruction to multiply. It's a reminder of that original call, the mandate to fill the whole earth, to go forth and to multiply, to subdue the earth, to rule over it, to bring leadership to it, to fill, not decrease, to represent God. 
And this, uh, this sentence to build, to plant, to marry, and then to pray and seek the welfare of the city, this praying is like a uh, picture of a straddling or a bridge between heaven and earth. So we, are, we know that the Bible tells us that we are citizens of heaven. Imagine this is the dominion, the fullness of the dominion of heaven. So heaven comes and it is coming and it has not yet come. And our job as citizens of heaven is to stand like a bridge straddling the geographical community of Lincoln and going with the mindset of Christ and the, uh, of heaven and bringing all the resources, bringing all of the mindset, bringing all of the love, bringing all of the community from heaven into earth, into Lincoln. And our job is to pray and seek in this way that we stand with one foot here and one foot here and we pull heaven to Lincoln. We show the people of Lincoln what it looks like to be God's people, to be love, to be heaven. They seek the welfare of the city, pray for it. The word welfare uh, is also the word shalom in Hebrew. This word shalom uh, it kind of gives an indication of a counterculture message. It refers to relationships in community. So not just peace. So in our English translation, it might say seek the peace or the welfare of the city. Uh, it means to seek the wholeness of the city, but not just the wholeness of the infrastructure of the city. It means relationships in community, conforming to God's purposes and desires. It's like we're praying for our Babylon, our place of exile, Lincoln, to become a community in which God's uh, aims of love and justice and righteousness are expressed in all of our relationships. Our relationships here uh, within the church community and our relationships that extend out into uh, the city with our friendships, with our neighbours, with our work colleagues, uh, that uh, justice and righteousness and love, shalom, would come into those relationships. It's for us to pray for the welfare of the city. It's for us to pray for the transformation of the city. And our role here in Lincoln as the body of Christ is to pray and to live for this wholeness of transformation of the city. It's for us to straddle heaven and earth and to channel and pull and pray all of that goodness into Lincoln. It's for us to live and to work and to actively work towards the welfare of Lincoln, to actively work towards the welfare of the disadvantaged in Lincoln. It's for us to live and act and actively work towards the welfare of the oppressed. It's for us to live and act and work towards the welfare of the family. It's for us to live and act and work towards the welfare of the lost in our city. And I believe over the last 30 or 40 years of this church community, we've made some incredible inroads into doing that. This building, uh, historically, it's always been a church and it's been here for centuries, but our current church family, what uh, was new life and is now alive, has been here for uh, nearly 40 years now. And I think over those years, uh, we have been 
an incredible shining light to the city. I've not been here for all of that time, but I'm really proud to say that I'm connected to the heritage of this place. I want to remind you of our story, and some of you might have heard it loads of times, and others might never have heard it before, and it's really important for us to reiterate because it's part of the narrative of who we are. It's part of the story of our heritage, and it's why we're here and find ourselves in this moment of time going in this direction that we're going in. In the early 90s, uh, this church building was pews, and then I think where, around about where I'm stood, there was a kind of organ, a kind of organ, an actual organ, uh, going up the back, and there were uh, a pulpit, and the balcony up there was uh, not fit for uh, people to be in. It wasn't safe. In fact, the local authority had said, we can't meet here anymore because it's, uh, it's not safe for people to meet. And so the church, we're on a journey to look and seek God and say, where else should we meet? Where should we make our home? If this isn't going to be the place that we can do it, where can we do it? Uh, we're landlocked in this place. And so there was no way of getting all the mechanical diggers and uh, equipment into the room to be able to do the work that was needed to be done. And so uh, the church community family were meeting in the drill hall, I think the cathedral, in other community spaces around the city. And in 1991, a prophetic uh, minister came from America, it's called Dale Gentry, and he brought a word to the church. Remember, they weren't meeting in this building, they were somewhere else. And he said, not knowing anything about this building, he said, you have a strategic piece of land and building which is in the heart of the city centre, you need to go back in and try again. He then prophesied all sorts of brilliant things including a move of God amongst university and college age students. And uh, I think because of the uh, attempts that have been made to try and to renovate this building, uh, some of the uh, people were like, oh, I'm not sure, he doesn't really know. And also there isn't really a university in this town. Three weeks later, uh, plans for the University of Lincoln were unveiled and the site would be across the Brayford Pool, just across from this church building. And so the faithful people of God came back into this building. They tried again. In fact, they knocked a hole through this wall to bring the mechanical diggers into the building. People sold possessions. They sacrificed uh, meals out and recreational activities. They saved and they gave so that the pews could be taken out, the pulpit could be removed, the organ could be taken out, and we could have a versatile, uh, welcoming and hospitable space for us to meet as a church family. And the thing that I'm so grateful for and the reason that I repeat this story is because it felt like uh, even before uh, some of us even were around, even before some of us were on the scene, even before you'd even thought about walking into this building, the people of God here in this building saw us, they believed for us, they prayed, they sacrificed on our behalf and we came and we, I don't know about you, but this is where I found Jesus properly and put my roots down where I was fully filled with the Holy Spirit, where I was discipled and I brought into family and shaped for my future. And I'm really grateful uh, for all of the sacrifice. The church built, they planted, they multiplied and they prayed and sought the welfare of the city of Lincoln. 
In 2005, uh, the pro uh, prophet man, Dale Gentry, came back to the church. And again, he prophesied. He prophesied, you will learn to take the heart of your city. You will be a strategic resource church and you will teach others how to take the heart of the city. And I'm really aware, all of us are really aware that this building sometimes isn't ideal. It's an old building. We have no parking uh, facilities. At 9.30, all of our children's rooms are bursting at the seams because we have so many children. We know it costs people to come to these gatherings and be part of this church. But we believe that we have a strategic piece of land, a strategic building in the heart of this city, and we believe the call of God over our lives as a church community. We believe that this geographical space and place is the place that God has called us into, and until he says otherwise, we will build here, we will plant here, we will multiply from here, and we'll pray and seek the welfare of the city from this building. This building carries a story and a legacy. And from here, the people stood before us and they believed in us. I want to charge you this morning with the same sense of responsibility that they took for us to have. For us to believe for the individuals that haven't yet come but are coming, and not just individuals, for us to believe for a whole city to be transformed. It was said, from this place you learn to take the heart of the city. I was wondering what the heart of the city means. And uh, as I thought about it, the city, the city centre, is the commercial, cultural and often historical and political heart of a city. It's where commerce, entertainment, shopping and political power are concentrated. We often hear about the death of the high street and the hollowing out of city centres because of retail. But I want to say Lincoln City Centre is much more strategic and important than just a retail hub. You know, there's thousands of years of history in this geographical one mile, two mile radius of this city centre. There are business links here. It's a centre for entertainment, for political power. There's international reach through the university and other businesses. The city centre is much more diverse and strategic than just retail. And we get to have a central role in this geography, in the centre of this amazing city. And so your city centres become places where individuals come together to build community in a compact space. And it causes ideas and love to grow, uh, connection to happen, ideas to be exchanged. And these are known by the experts as knowledge spillovers. And they lead to innovation and growth and the strengthening of community and the flourishing of a city. Taking the heart of the city for us doesn't just mean being present in this city, in this geographical location. Taking our strategic place in the heart of the city means we can contribute and be involved in the leadership of not just the spiritual renewal and transformation, but the cultural and social renewal and transformation of this city. It means us actively being Genesis One people, engaging and bringing hope and leadership to every sphere of society. 
Last week, Paul and I went and we prayed over the city uh, from the castle walls. We climbed up onto the castle walls and we were looking out up right into the observatory tower. Incredible view. I really recommend anyone does it. And just in front of the castle, there's this big house that is known as Chadvara House. It's having renovations at the moment. It's an amazing um, piece of architecture. Chadvara, it was named after a guy called Chadvara who was a vicar on St. Giles in Lincoln. Uh, who's, it was his first uh, place that he was curate after he qualified as a vicar from Lincoln Theological College. And Chadvara was stirred with compassion after he heard the story of a little girl, a young woman, in his um, parish in St. Giles, who uh, after, she became, after she came on her period, she thought she was dying and had no idea what was going on. And so out of a sense of panic and anxiety, she took her own life. And this young vicar, he kind of heard the cry of pain in this situation. And on the back of it, he started the famous international charity, the Samaritans, which has an aim to prevent suicide. So Paul and I, we kind of stood there and we saw the house and we remembered the story and so we began to pray. And we prayed for the release of countless Chadvara-type people, people who would respond to the cry of the oppressed, the marginalized, the people in our city who would say, yeah, we want to do something about this in Lincoln. This morning we sang that song, At Your Word, The Earth Will Shake, The Blind Will See, The Dead Will Raise. And as I was singing, I felt God say, yeah, it is at his word, definitely. But as Genesis 1 people, as people who have given a, been given a mandate to lead in this city, it's at our word. As our word becomes his word, as his word becomes our word, this city will shake and the dead will rise. The people who thought that their life wasn't worth living, they will become new people full of hope and they will see again the church will rise and at Alive we see a church of influence with involvement in all spheres of society a focused mission into the world we see a church with a heart for the poor and the marginalized just like Chadvara just like Jesus who are determined to bring transformation to people's lives and loads of it not loads of it starts with this gathering and this building. During this week, during the week, this building is used for all sorts of activities. Beginning here in this auditorium with worship, celebration, teaching and fellowship on a Sunday three times. Uh, remembering that previous investment allows us to sit on the chairs that we're sitting on. Uh, it took the pews out. P previous sacrifice and giving took the organ out. Uh, created this platform, took the pulpit out. And so that we could have a versatile auditorium that is used not just for Sunday services, not just for Christmas spectaculars and big events or conferences, but also for external events as a resource to the city, for university, for city and uh, county councillors, uh, for the NHS, for businesses. Much investment has happened in here, both recently and historically. And next door in the cafe in the courtyard, previous investment took that place from a space where there was uh, just bins and some bikes being stored to a covered over 
brilliant uh, architecturally uh, awarded place for coffee shop uh, to happen with Battelle, uh, who come and they serve in incredible food, really brilliant coffee, and not just that, it's not just a business, it's young women who have been rescued from the streets, from prostitution, from addiction, and they're uh, full of dignity and worth as they serve the people in our city food and drink. It's a thriving hub during the week because of previous investment. And this year we want to, amongst other things, raise the standard of the Brayford Suite upstairs. This will be our current investment. We believe that upstairs space is key to our next chapter. And it's currently uh, underused, but the groups that do use it are seeking the welfare of the city uh, with everything they do. Lives are changed weekly because of it. We use it for all sorts of things. One of them being ESOL, where 131 people from 37... 37 different nations came this year to learn English. We use it on Sundays for kids. 80 or 90 kids over the course of a Sunday morning uh, hear about Jesus and are discipled. We use it for outreach, for our SNAP program, for our creative workshops, for toddling and chatterbox. And the space uh, could be used loads more. In fact, because this space feels so good uh, and so light and so nice, often we use this one uh, during the week when we uh, let it out. But we want the whole building to be a representation of our heart to build and to plant and to increase and create community in our city. We want it to be a quality space. We want to contribute to the social, cultural and spiritual transformation of the city. And so when we think of the impact of the faithfulness of the generations that stood before us, they saw us be before we even ever arrived. And they, placed, they provided a place of hospitality and welcome, a place where family can be built, a place that can host the presence of God in a communal environment. And our job, it's not just to maintain what we've, what we've seen others build. Our job is to rise and to build to plant and to multiply, to continue to seek the welfare of the city. Like our predecessors, we'll be people who own and steward this city and bring leadership to it, not communal TV rental, rental people who don't take responsibility. Like they did before, we believe that this location has a significant contribution to make in the shaping of the character of the city of Lincoln. And in order to do that, we need to attract, engage, equip, disciple, love and bless our city so that we can become, as a people, all that God created us to be. And we've got not just a vision for the transformation of Lincoln, but we've got a vision for the transformation of the nation. We believe that there is a sending and resourcing anointing on this house. Our branches will go over the wall. It was prophesied by Dale Gentry that you'll learn to take the heart of the city and then you'll teach others how to do that too. And we believe that we've got a contribution to make to the re-evangelization of the nation. And it isn't our time to sit in exile wondering when this is going to end. This is our time to stand to our feet, to rise to the identity that we've been called to be. This is our time to be the ambassadors for Christ, straddling the two uh, places, heaven and earth, for us to begin to lead the charge of transformation in our city. It's our time to plant and to build and to multiply and we see a church that 
leads the way in training leaders who carry the DNA and culture of the house, both within the church and into society, equipping all people to serve God in every area of their life. And we will be ascending church from this house, from a live church. Thousands will be sent weekly into every sphere of society, seeking the welfare of the city. We will raise and send Chadvara type people who hear and see the pain, who rise and respond, who build and birth solutions to the pain and brokenness of our city and nation. From this house, new locations will be resourced and sent, seeking the welfare of other towns and cities. And you can be part of this movement. I can be part of this movement, like the people who went before us. We can rise and build for the welfare of our city, our towns, and cities of this nation. And our next step is to plant a location from Alive into Gainsborough. We're really excited about that. We've got a video that we're gonna watch about the work uh, that's gonna be planted in Gainsborough, and then Howard and Stuart are gonna jump up and just tell us how this year we can rise and build. This time last year at Rise and Build 2018, we together invested in the launch of Alive Academy. Some of the first fruits of Alive Academy are the raising of John and Judy Swanock as location pastors of a brand new location of Alive, launching in September into the town of Gainsborough. Here's John and Judy to tell you more. We love Gainsborough. It's full of beautiful people that God loves and that we love as well. So we've been talking about Gainsborough for a long time now and it's so exciting to say that it's no longer a conversation, we are actually planting. We are launching on Sunday the 8th of September with a Sunday afternoon service. We've also got our connect groups running and we're working with the social engagement projects in the community. Your kindness, commitment and generosity to rise and build this year is going to enable Live Church to plant a location here in Gainsborough, bringing hope, salvation and healing as we raise new disciples in this town. We would love it if you would continue to pray with us. We're so excited about what God is doing here in Gainsborough. Alive Church, I want to thank you for your investment today. Together we're partnering for the launch of a location of Alive into Gainsborough. This year really is a year of multiplication. God encourages us to seek the peace and prosperity of the places we find ourselves. To pray for it, because if it prospers, so too will we. And that's what we're looking for Gainsborough. We want Gainsborough to know that we love this town. Great. It's good, isn't it? And today you and I get an opportunity to invest into all that God's going to do into that town in the next number of years. We're going to see lives transformed, people saved. We're going to see those who are sick healed by the power of Jesus coming into that place, partnering with a local church that's already there. You and I get an incredible opportunity to invest in that. So I get the privilege really of talking this morning just for a couple of minutes about how you and I together can see this come to pass. You see, today we are asking for a financial investment. We're asking for us to go on a journey together where we invest in things that are for now, but they're also for the future. 
where we make a statement together. We say we're in this together and we're going to invest in all that God has, both locally in this place and also regionally into Gainsborough. This year, we've set ourselves a target of £70,000 here for Alive Lincoln, that across the course of this year, we will be investing to see all that Joy and Paul have spoken about come to pass. But let me talk about what that will do. On your brochures, which you'll have on your chairs, uh, there's a page in there that actually says 2019 project plans. I'd love you to open that if you can. That's in the centre of the booklet. And there you'll see every one of our locations and all of the things that they're planning to do this year. And if you go down alphabetically, you'll see where Alive Lincoln starts. And I want to just draw and highlight the things um, that Joy and Paul have already spoken about. But there's a few extra things in there as well. So this year we want to invest uh, into the Brayford Suite. Joy's eloquently told us the purposes of why we want to do that. We also want to fin uh, continue paying off the loan that we took out for the PA system here in the main auditorium. Just to let you know, that was a 0% finance loan, so we're not stewarding badly in any way. We've just spread the payments for that PA system over a couple of years. We've got a little bit more time to finish that off. We also had another loan to do the work around the loggier area, the outside area of church, and also do some work into the toilets and uh, all of the work with those. That actually completes this year, the loan for that in August so that will free some extra finance off uh, up for us and um, that's a great thing for us to be able to celebrate. We're going to um, continue to redevelop the Lincoln Room as well as the Brayford Suite. That's the bigger downstairs room. And we want to um, do some work with the auditorium lighting in here. We're very conscious that it's quite dark in this centre space and also very dark in the balcony. So if you're ever sat up there, it's quite difficult to see Bibles and those sort of things in front of you. So we want to improve that in this space. And also the stage lighting that we currently have up is borrowed. We want to make an investment into our stage lighting for the future, uh, our stage lighting uh, ran its course of its life and died uh, a few months ago so this is now borrowed but we want to invest in that to make sure that we're set up for all that we need to do in this place for the coming months and years. And Gainsborough. So this year, we are together with all of our locations creating a centralised fund of £30,000 which will go towards the launching of a live church in Gainsborough. Now, you and I here today are giving into the resourcing of that alongside every other person across Alive. And the way that we do that is that we split the percentage of amount of people gathered in this space across the course of our three services against the whole of Alive, and then we calculate that percentage against the percentage of 30,000. So here at Alive Lincoln, there's about 51% of the church gathered in this space across three services. So we take 51% of 30,000 pounds. So Alive Lincoln, your contribution to the 30,000 pounds to uh, launch Gainsborough is just over 15,000. So from the 70,000 that we're going to target and try and raise today, we'll um, give 15,000 of that or just over 15,000 to the work of Gainsborough.